Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. I'm Jim Stengel, and this is Prosperity Through Purpose. In this series of the CMO Podcast, I am going to take a critical look at a category or marketplace and highlight a brand that is winning through purpose. On this episode, we are going to explore the world of frozen foods. And with COVID, this category has never been hotter. Frozen meals have seen an uptick over the past six months, of course, but they have been trending up over the past few years in all demographics. Why? They are, of course, convenient. But manufacturers are now offering frozen meals that are nutritious, sustainable, and thoughtfully sourced. The brand we are spotlighting today is Eval, which is love spelled backward. It is a single-serve frozen food brand that prides itself on using meats without antibiotics, cage-free eggs, recycled packaging, and no artificial colors or flavors. This ConAgra brand is resonating with consumers because of its purpose. But does it have staying power? To discuss Eval and its momentum on activating its purpose and growing sales are Suzanne Tosolini, a former P&G exec and a consultant with the Jim Stengel Company, and Ryan Barker, the founder and CEO of the Barra Company. The brand we're talking about today is Eval. It's a frozen food brand. Have you had it today for lunch or dinner, Suzanne, Ryan? I confess I have not today. No, I have not, but there's some in my freezer. Ryan, how about you? On the menu for dinner tonight for me and the kids. <laughs> okay. All right. I guess I'll believe you. Actually, right before we recorded this podcast, uh, it's right after lunch for me, and my daughter whips out a Chipotle macaroni and cheese Eval to have before she takes a nap before working the night shift. So so there we are. We're, we're immersed in the brand. Very good. So, hey, Ryan, I want to start with you, and and I want to get you talking about Evolve. But first, since this is the first one of this new series, I want you, and we're going to be using your software platform to pull our data from and our analysis, I want you to talk a a little bit about your company that you founded about five, six years ago. And so that our our listeners have context on your company, why you did it, what you saw the need, and explain a bit about the platform so we have context for our discussions about Eval. Full disclosure, my company is a partner and investor in Barra. Sure, thanks, Jim. Well, after 12 years at WPP, I became troubled by how agencies would win awards every year and be applauded by their industry despite declines in their clients' businesses. And I developed a horrible feeling that many of the key performance indicators, the KPI, simply didn't matter that a client's business was secondary to a host of what we call vanity metrics that lead companies astray and simply drain the power of their marketing leaders in the boardroom. Even worse, in order to hit business goals and perhaps to prove themselves, 
it's become all too common for marketers to lean heavily on short-term sales-boosting tactics like promotions and discounting, a practice that invariably weakens the power of brands to drive profitable, sustainable sales growth. And to fix that, a lot of these legacy consultancies are brought in. They're given three months to figure out how to stem the decline. And I began to ask myself, how is it that in two years, artificial intelligence can do more for disease detection than we have in the prior 50? Or how is it that we are predicting crimes in various cities before they happen? And how is it that disruption pervades the auto industry, the taxi industry, education, financial and legal services, and so many other industries? And yet, Jim, we wait months for an answer on how to maximize brand equity when the right algorithm and the metrics that matter could deliver the best course of action in seconds. And that's how Barrow was born. So, Ryan, you started the company to try to sort of solve a problem business leaders had about real-time data, helping them make decisions about their brands. Uh, you have a bunch of clients. You've been in business for a while. I want you to tell us a little bit about your software platform and a bit of a background on the purpose score. So our listeners will understand when we throw around this idea of a purpose score and Evolve is popping on their purpose score, and we're going to talk about other brands on other episodes of this podcast, give us the context for the scores and your platform. Why is this data meaningful? Sure. Well, Barra is the first predictive brand tech platform in the world and still the only one. For over 4,000 of the world's most iconic brands, we generate proprietary metrics that predict each brand's impact on business outcomes, including things like long-term sales and brand value. We connect these consumer perceptions to their likely behavior and identify the brand actions that will shape their behavior to maximize a brand's business potential. The data and analytics that our subscribers can access through the software is always on. They can constantly course correct their brand strategy and tactics, and they get a true measure of marketing's ROI. And you can think of it, Jim, it's, it's more than a brand tracker. It's a prescriptive and predictive platform. Through this platform, subscribers can also analyze the strengths and weaknesses of their brands in four dimensions, functional, experiential, emotional, and now purpose. And they can do it in seconds, what would have taken a lifetime of analysis. We're also very excited to announce here that we've just added a proprietary battery of 13 purpose metrics, each with a proven causal link to business outcomes. And we could roll these metrics up into an overall purpose score and see on a daily basis which brands are currently winning on purpose, which ones are losing and why. And that's how we found Evolve. So you looked at your data over on all these thousands of brands and Evolve is popping recently during this crisis, this economic crisis, this social unrest, they are popping on purpose. So as you look into your platform and you analyze What's happening with Evolve? What, what, what do you mean when they're popping on purpose? What do they seem to be breaking out on? Yeah, it turns out that over the last six months, Barra's equity score for Evolve increased 26% within the general population. This is one of the biggest jumps amongst the 4,000 brands in our syndicated data stream. And a big driver of that was brand purpose, which increased by 11% over the same period. Moreover, we can break that down into the specific audience and local markets for whom Evolve has become more meaningful and more competitively unique. 
And that turns out to be women primary shoppers, particularly in multicultural populations like LA, New York, and Miami. And this could be attributed to its product portfolio, things like street tacos or sriracha chicken and being more in line with foods that are popular in those cities. So Ryan, when you said their purpose score jumped 11%, uh, I assume that's significant. And what about what they did, do you think, what, what about their purpose made the score pop like that? So a, a lot of women shoppers have fallen in love with the Evolve brand. Its, its meaningfulness has increased by 178% with that demographic, which explains its recently explosive volume growth. But as important, if not more, because it really drives future pricing power, Evolve's uniqueness among women have spiked by 124%. Now, that's enormous, and we can see that a lot of that is due to the brand surging purpose score. So you're asking, well, what, what does that mean? To be fair, Evolve is in a good space for the times we are in, but looking at other brands in the freezer section, we know that more people are sourcing their meals there. But Evolve stands out, and that is a significant opportunity post-COVID if it can take advantage of the newfound purpose consumer sees in their brand. Now, Suzanne, I want to bring you into the conversation. Right? You have long P&G pedigree. You've been helping brands discover and activate their purpose for many years, dozens of brands. As you've looked at Evolve and you've listened to Ryan, what do, you, what do you think is interesting, notable? What could others learn by what they're doing? Similar to you, Jim, my first encounter with Evol was uh, actually a, per, uh, a personal one before we ever you know, look, looked at this data and came up with uh, looking, at, looking at it as a brand. And I think, I think effectively I'm kind of exhibit A of what they're trying to do, honestly. So the quarantine hits, um, you know, I find myself at home with a, a kid home from college, um, another high school um, a teenage boy. So and my husband home from work. So suddenly there's three meals a day for, you know, teenage boys going on in the house. And, um, you know, it, it took only a few days to realize I need a lot more available food in the house. And, um, you know, like many people, I think I started to turn to a category that I typically don't shop. So what can I buy that I could put in the freezer so that it's available? So start looking at frozen food. I like to look at healthy food. I like to look at shop the healthy aisles. So I find myself looking at Amy's and Cashy and Healthy Choice and those frozen frozen meals that really I'd never you know, looked at before. And sure enough, it was the evil burritos and those bowls that found their way into my freezer. And so why is that? Like, why why do I say I'm exhibit A? Because I think that's exactly what they're trying to do. So if you look at their packaging, you look at their tone of voice, you look at their um, the, the way they've named some of their products, um, they are effectively doing the Old Spice playbook that, that Old Spice did when it did a turnaround uh, some years ago. But they, they're really talking to teenage boys um, uh, they're appealing to people that are, you know, a teenage boy doesn't want to shop that category and be bombarded with all the ingredients and how they're wholesome and sustainable and environmentally friendly. They want to see that what they're getting, they want to be somewhat healthy, probably, but they want it in a fun, lighthearted way. And that's, that's what they're doing. They, um, they're effectively said they want to turn everything on its head and they're doing it in their communication too. So I think what they've done is said, we want to get those people that are probably heavy consumers of this 
type of food. Um, um, but we're going to get them by a, uh, in, a, in a very disruptive way in the category. Um, and that will appeal to the mom because, of course, I want stuff in the freezer that's healthy that they're going to eat. So um, so I think they've they've basically they've just been very distinctive in the category with their execution by being very, very choiceful about who they're talking to. So do your boys like it? Is it satisfying? Do they eat it? I mean, is it enough for them to eat? They do. I will say, I will say, if Evil ever listens to this, that those burritos need to be bigger. Um, so they will eat two and three of them at a sitting. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, so they, they should come in three packs or something. But but they do they do eat them. Yeah, absolutely. And, the, you know, that target audience that want to be a bit healthy, they're kind of athletic, whatever you know, they're downing a lot of Chipotle. And this is sort of having that type of food in the house um, available in the freezer for whenever they want it at all sorts of strange hours of the day and night is great. Yeah. If you had to sort of reverse engineer their playbook, you know, what do you think, uh, what do you think about that brand others could learn from? What's contributed to its success? Sort of if you had to pull a few, you know, principles out of it that others could learn from, what do you think that would be? Yeah, you know, I think when you start looking at those brands and you start looking at, I mean, these are not brands in that category that do a lot of mainstream television advertising or big sponsorships that you know about or things like that. So you look at their social media feeds, you look at what they're doing. There's there's not a huge amount of differentiation in some of that. Um, they're all pushing their kind of latest bowl, their latest, uh, you know, whatever the, the latest product line they have. Um, what is different about them, and I think this is the lesson, is you've got to break some category norms. There's definitely, you know, that whole um, healthy food section has some category norms right now. Simple ingredients listed. Um, it, they all look green and wholesome. A lot of sustainability messaging, recyclable packaging. And they have all of that in spades. I mean, they have parity on all of that, but they're not talking that way. They're talking in a much more funky, contemporary way. They've named their brands in a much more contemporary way. They're definitely, because they're, I think they've been very choiceful about who they're talking to, they're digging into what's important for them. So the naming of the brands, you know, um, I can't remember, Warrior Bowls and Boost mm -hmm. Vitality Bowls and things like that is so, you know, I know that's what kids see on their power bars and things they're eating. And so they're disrupting category norms. And we know from all our clients that that's hard. Like they, people don't do that naturally. It's hard for people to do that. And so I think the lesson is if you're choiceful about your targeting, you've got, you're mitigating that risk of breaking some norms. So Ryan, one cool thing I know about your platform is you can look at your brand, not just against competition in your category, but you can look across many, many, many different categories because that's really the world that we live in and consumers live in, right? They're making choices. They don't think about themselves in the cereal category or the streaming category or the deodorant category. They just buy things that, that they need, that, 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 that they share the values of that brand or whatever it might be. So what have you learned about this brand as you look at it versus brands outside their category? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. We, in fact, encourage brand owners, Jim, to avoid category-centric thinking Brands compete against all brands for a share of consumers' minds, hearts, and especially their wallets. So, for example, consumers don't just wake up and say, today we're having a frozen meal, and then choose a product based on that. They think, well, should we order out? Should we cook at home? Should we buy something ready-made? Or maybe even grab a Snickers to see if my hunger goes away or go to the freezer section. 
That's really why the Barra platform was built so that brand owners can compare the brands to any brand in the universe of brands that define a country's consumer culture. As for Evol, its newfound brand equity and purpose really enables it to steer consumers more toward the freezer section because they know that's where they can find Evol. As a lot of that is due to the category agnostic language and personality that characterizes the brand, particularly with moms going to the supermarket and trying to pick food they think their kids would be like. All this really explains the, the huge jump that we're picking up in terms of the perceived meaningfulness and competitive uniqueness Evol has experienced over the last several Macs. Uh, in fact, one of the metrics we generate from our brand equity data stream is what we call the tomorrow score, which is a brand's future is predicted by its current meaningfulness and uniqueness. And Evol now has one of the highest today versus tomorrow scores in our brandscape. That essentially means, Jim, that the brand's current momentum is sustainable if its owners continue to grow not only its emotional and experiential and functional benefits, but its purpose drivers as well. And meaningfulness and uniqueness, of course, drive so much brand equity, brand purpose, and they're so hard to, uh, you know, Suzanne and I have worked in a lot of brands at P&G and beyond, and it's really, really hard to find that spot. And when you find it and you execute against it, it's so powerful. Now, Suzanne, I want to bring you back into this. You talked about how your boys eat two or three of these things, uh, you know, and we work with so many clients where their products may not line up with their purpose. Yeah. And to really, really activate your purpose effectively, your products obviously have to be a big part of that. So what do you think, what do you, what do you observe about um, Evol? What, what about their yeah. products vis-a-vis -vis their purpose? You know, I think, um, so their, their products definitely line up with their purpose. So, you know, they, they, of course, have an articulated purpose around inspiring people to care about where food comes from and how it's produced. So as you look into the brand, they're, they're definitely very overt about that, like, like, many, like many brands in that sort of category. They talk about wanting to um, bring back frozen food back to its rightful place. That's almost like the movement that they're trying to, to drive, that they, they want, you know, frozen fruit over the years has had a very bad rap um, because, you know, as, as we all know, a lot of the frozen food that you find in the aisles is not terribly healthy and full of preservatives and so forth. So they, they you know, but in fact, frozen food is actually, if it's, if it's um, not added to in a great way, it's actually a very healthy way of, of preserving food. So they want that frozen food back to its rightful place. Now, how they're doing it is as Ryan said, they do have a lot of um, products that line up with maybe some of the multicultural type of foods. So the burritos and tacos, things like that. But, you know, what I see, where I see um, uh, them coming a little bit more, uh, where they've really seen growth, I guess, since 2018 was when they introduced this line of bowls with names like the Warrior Bowl and the Boost Bowl. And those are a little bit more, that's very contemporary right now to have a bowl, right? They're, you know, very contemporary. And on those names are just bang on the way people are eating, sort of a much more of a trend towards functional food. And I, I see that with my boys. I mean, they want the food to, to deliver something, right, in terms of their, how they perform right and so so i think they've done a very nice job of starting out maybe in the places where a lot of frozen food is in the burritos and stuff and then now they're getting into a much more of that that mainstream functional food type approach with those bowls and and um you know i i would that's they've seen huge growth behind that and and again uh 
being very choiceful about their target audience, they're clearly spending time with them to understand what sort of naming and, and types of um, offerings that the product lineup should have. Ryan, Suzanne just talked a lot about the purpose and the product fit. Anything in the data in your platform that would give us any insights about the product purpose fit on Evolve? Yeah, I mean, the data is actually picking up the that perceptions of product performance has increased by 20, 26% in households where uh, parents have children between the ages of two and 13. So it's matching her, her sentiment. So her kids are a bit older than that. But what what the data that you're, you know, data is showing what Suzanne just talked about. So, so anyway, um, Ryan, you've worked with a lot of brands on, you know, moving the needle on brand equity on purpose and on financial results. So what are some of the broader lessons for our listeners from the Evolve story? If you had to really helicopter up and look at some principles others could reapply, what, what might they be from this story? Sure. Well, Barra prescribes how brands should approach their opportunities, how they should take action, ensure their target audiences understand what they stand for, and then essentially live by their purpose. And this helps create the ideal type of emotional connection. It also certainly improves the customer experience supported by the right functional attributes that clearly demonstrate their benefit. And all of this is really developed through the most potent marketing levers. What you would typically hear about as the five P's, improving perceptions of pricing power, product connection, placement or distribution, promotion, and people. We've seen how critical people are to the contribution that brands can make, particularly during these difficult times we live in, Jim. Now, for Evol, they've really done a great job on many of these dimensions. If I were in their shoes, I would choose to explore actions that really pop in a couple of interacting territories that we've identified above as opportunities. So let's take a couple of these. Let's start with presence or dialing up uh, distribution, the availability and where and how Evolve is accessed? Or how about even the personality or what you might experience as the emotional resonance and tonality? Evolve has an opportunity really to lean into perceptions of sincerity. There's more executional detail to explore there, but typically they would brief their agency accordingly, and then they'd have to decide which ideas align with their overarching strategy and serve their business and their community. For example, what if they were to open mini distribution centers for frozen food delivery through apps like Uber Eats? This would greatly increase their awareness at a lower cost and potentially improve the experience and places it is available. This would also, Jim, create a winning proposition to grow. It would give people a low cost option to restaurant food, definitely turning things on its head, as Evolve likes to say, and it would show that they're sincere in their mission. Another example might be evolving their app with loyalty programs. Order five times, get one Warrior Bowl for free. This would help with their loyalty versus switchers ratio, which is still very low in comparison to the rest of the industry. And this is how brands simultaneously deepen their relationships and advance their performance. Suzanne, you know, given what Ryan just shared and everything we've been talking about, does this brand remind you of any brands that you've worked on, worked with, studied? Are there parallels with this brand and other brands that have activated their purpose so well? Yeah, I mean, the two brands that came to mind as I looked at it were um, 
Well, first of all, as I sort of touched on, was Old Spice. So unlike Evol, Old Spice was a, a big turnaround story, you know, moving from uh, it had basically globally or almost everywhere globally become my grandfather's brand and was sort of dying a death to um, and now it's, you know, the cool brand of mansmanship. And and really, the reason it reminds me of it, though, is because they really did the same thing of figuring out we need to get young, use, younger, you know, the teenage boys to like this brand. And so we need to really understand them and their needs. And then they disrupted the industry. So um, they did things that were out of the category norm. The category norm arguably still for a lot of brands is, you know, use this brand and you'll get the girl or you'll become, become super good looking or something very, very superficial. And um, Old Spice managed to get deeper than that and really help men become men. Um, and, you know, in a very quirky humor, in a very fun way that appealed to teens, but also messaging that appealed to moms that, you know, were looking for a brand that, that their kids would like, but had some values that I guess she could buy into too. So, so that, that, that playbook reminded me a lot of, of Evol and in how they execute. And I guess the other one, just from a tone of voice and sort of also category disruption, um, is Innocent Drinks, the, the smoothie brand out of the UK, a very purposeful brand. It's a certified B Corp. Um, um, and uh, But again, they're not, they're communicating in a very different way than usual being that kind of a company. It's very quirky. Um, the way they describe their ingredients, the way they talk about themselves, the way they, they behave in the marketplace, all very, very... Um, I guess quirky is the best word, but disruptive in the category. And, and so that sort of simplicity and, and using things like your packaging very smartly, um, uh, I think uh, reminded, me, reminded me of them. And then, I mean, the only other thing I would say to what Ryan has just described in terms of how some of this data could be used is, um, you know, when I was back working on brands, I mean, if you were able to capture data like um, where I need to, uh, you know, specifically, like I need to work on this, on switchers, and I need to drive awareness in these areas of the country. And here's how that is tracking based on my, literally, I've just launched this product, or I've just placed this ad, and I can see, am I moving the needle or not, almost within a week or two, you know, that's, that's tremendous, right, to be able to just adjust on the fly, which is what we all want to be able to do. So this brand has momentum now, and Ryan, I want you to weigh in on this next question. You know what? You've studied so many brands. You've worked on so many brands. What what are the watchouts, or what what are the concerns you would have, or the advice to them to continue this momentum? Yeah, especially during these difficult times. So we're seeing in Evolve what we're seeing for a lot of brands right now, which is an explosion of growth from consumers stocking their fridges and freezers with prepackaged foods. And the question is, how many of these folks are panic buyers? Mm. One of the things we can quantify for any brand is the percentage of its customers that are truly loyal versus switchers. And a lot of that explosive growth for the packaged food brands is from switchers. These are folks who purchased the product in the last year, but also purchased competing products because they lack the emotional connection or loyalty. And if the owners of these brands can find a way to turn those consumers into loyals, take advantage of this explosion of panic buyers through things like purpose, for example, then Jim, they have a good shot at turning a big chunk of their incremental volume growth into profitable and sustainable long-term sales. But there's also another lesson here too. We see challenger brands struggling all the time to compete with the Goliath brands that can outspend them by orders of magnitude. And the answer is that all wars comprise of local battles. 
And brand equity varies from market to market. You can see that in our platform where Evolve hasn't nearly the strength in Midwest markets that it does in other local markets. Investing in the brand there could be an opportunity or it could be a giant waste of resources. Yeah. I remember at the height of the so-called Cola Wars, Jim, seeing data on marketing investment in each local market across the USA. There, a clear pattern emerged where Coke and Pepsi had effectively carved up the country into three types of markets. There were the heartland markets for Coke, like Atlanta, that Pepsi pretty much left alone. There were the heartland markets for Pepsi, such as Dallas, that Coke stayed away from. And then the markets where they fought tooth and nail. And they had learned that you couldn't spend your way to greatness. Even if you were already a behemoth brand and that you had to be very selective about where you choose to build your brand equity. And that's going to be key for Evolve since they aren't the largest spender in the category. Suzanne, what's your reaction to that? Anything to add or build upon what Ryan said about continuing their momentum or even building on it? Yeah, I mean, I think as a, you know, of course, what Ryan has reflected on is how the data can be used so well to, to really guide what you do and where. Um, I think from a, just from their, from a strategy point of view of how they have chosen to be very selective on their targeting and then, then you know, I think activated very well on that. Um, they've chosen to go after that young um, sort of, let's say, the teenage boy. Uh, and of course, that is that is a great choice for them and, and has and has created the brand as it is. I mean, the watch out is that that's that's hard work, you know, keeping pace with those teenagers. Um, what what's cool? What's not cool? Where they are hanging out? What media to use? How to talk to them? That's just hard work, keeping pace with the change. And, uh, you know, you see brands kind of come in, do it and then then they lose it when they get strong. You know, they forget that they need to keep the finger on the pulse of that. So I guess I think, it, you know, it's a fast moving target to be going after and, and they need to keep on it. You know, I think that'd be the advice I would I would say. Keep keep on it and, and keep listening for the cues and codes of that fast moving generation and not fall back to any category norms. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. Evolve was purchased by a large food company, Conagra, about four years ago, and they have seemed to thrive. So Ryan, I'd like you to give us a quick answer to this one. Why, why is that? Why do you think that is? I mean, Conagra is a good, low-ego, Omaha-based company. Maybe that's a reason, but you think there's anything else that has helped them thrive even under the umbrella of a $10 billion food conglomerate? Well, I'll tell you what the data would say is two things, brand fit and innovation. Uh, what we're seeing is since 2018, Evol grew its Barra score by 266% driven by the emotional attributes that consumers ascribe to Evol, namely things like competence and sincerity and excitement. And Jim, these are traits very consistent with the Conagra culture, particularly the first two. And by the way, it turns out that competence 
is the attribute most associated with brands that have shown the most resilience during COVID-19. I'd say just as important, Conagra's ownership has led to a significant improvement to a key driver of brand equity, and that's perceptions of product performance. Since the acquisition, Evol has introduced their nutrition bowls like the Warrior Bowl and Vitalize Bowl. While they've always had an exciting proposition, these new products reinforce through the brand's purpose its sincerity to put food back into frozen food and its competence in delivering on their promise. Ryan, you said a moment ago in that answer that you made a larger point about brands that have shown the most competence during COVID-19 have, have performed best. Could you unpack that a bit? What do you mean when you say competence? Yeah, so as we were looking at, and I'm sure we've all seen brands that we haven't talked to in three years, four years, and we're getting these emails saying, we're here for you, we're here for you. And it just, that, that lack of sincerity and so many brands played me too to that, that consumers picked up on it. Um, what we found is the number one driver for brands that have delivered is being competent enough to actually fulfill their promise. Um, they don't need to say we're here for you. They've delivered on it. They've been consistent in their promise and the experience in their offerings. And that's really probably contrary to popular belief. What was the number one driver for brands to succeed today? Yeah. All right, Suzanne, if you could wrap all this up and with one final learning about this case study for our listeners, what would that be? Um, I, I guess the, the, the main thing from a brand strategy point of view is that being distinctive in your category is always a key to success. Um, but importantly, you know, we do see brands that just make it their mission to just do things that are distinctive for the sake of being distinctive. I think in this case, it was very easy to see the strategy behind that, where they're getting their um, the choices they've made in 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 where to be distinctive and how to be distinctive and when you do that right that that will then succeed and has a long-term um, opportunity and you know what it does for the organization it is it provides people with the confidence and um, the ability to take some risks and be unafraid to do things like break some category norms um, and we see time and time again that the brands that are able to do that win in the marketplace and and the bearer data then backs that up, that, you know, uh, distinctivity, uniqueness is is a key driver of both your purpose and your um, Bera score. Yeah. Ryan, to you for the absolute last word. Evolve took a risk to choose a category transcendent positioning for itself, one that gives its meaningfulness and uniqueness for all kinds of eating occasions. And you can't see that if you measure Evolve against only frozen food brands. But you can clearly see it when you compare it to any brand in Barra's predictive brand tech platform, which allows them to outsmart the Goliath brands instead of the traditional route of trying to outspend them. That was my conversation with Suzanne and Ryan. What I loved about this one was it's our first one. This is the first podcast we're doing looking at purpose and data. And we will do this a lot more because I think the future is understanding better how purpose drives financial results. And we will be looking at many, many more brands who are popping on purpose and driving their results. That is going to do it for this episode. I would like to thank Suzanne and Ryan for joining me today. To learn more about Barra Group, visit their website, barra.ai. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And please tell a friend. Prosperity Through Purpose and the CMO Podcast are a Gallery Media Group original production.